This is Writers Not Writing, the show where you can get to know your favorite writers and soon-to-be favorite writers by listening to them confess to the ways they procrastinate. Thanks for procrastinating with us. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff. Doug tries his best to make me sound better. And each week we have a secret word to listen for. If you catch it, you earn the right to take an extra break at the time of your choosing from whatever is stressing you out. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Today's secret word is... Lasers! Welcome, everyone. Today is a special show. We are coming to you from Grants Pass, Oregon. And uh, so we have come down here via write, uh, a writer's uh, meeting, but also Giancolo's put together a, an event, and that brought a bunch of writers here to Grants Pass, and I thought this is a wonderful opportunity to record an episode of the show. So welcome to Writers Not Writing. And let's just go around first and introduce this wonderful panel. So, Jennifer, do you want to start and yeah. tell everybody yeah. about you know who you are and uh, what they should find of yours to be reading? Well, Jennifer uh, is Caldwell, and I'm from Grants Pass here. Actually, born here, and then we were gone for 25 years. I've written six nonfiction books, and if you really want to learn how to make cheese, <laughs> excellent. My book's the one. <laughs> excellent. What's that called? Arctic care goats. Hmm? What are those called? Uh, oh, mastering artisan cheese making, holistic goat care. They're quite. There are several. Yeah, yeah excellent. They're all in books, dairy products. Then I made the switch to fiction, which was my first love, and the pandemic kind of helped me pivot for that because it stopped all the other stuff. And I'm now represented by a lovely agent who will be pitching hopefully to A-U-W, also W, uh, soon. So, yeah, that's exciting. You know, who knows? But yeah, at least there's progress. Yes. After many years of nothing. Oh, yeah. It's really like nothing, but you're still making progress. Excellent. And so, tell me a little bit about the event that you planned that Well, the event that I planned that did not occur. Well, and we can explain why, everybody, too. The smoke. was I just want to have an event where writers are supporting writers, what people who want to write, anybody who wants to, just to be, because community is really the only way you make progress and not feel alone in something, and and it feels good to give. So uh, we have a, a yard, a nice good-sized yard by the river where we had a wedding and things, and so I thought, well, got it all cleaned up now, we should have a party. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was supposed to be a nice potluck and things like that, but uh, this is this is great too, and hopefully uh, everybody can do it again next year. We'll try for the spring. Well, that really was one of the big themes out of Atlanta Writers is building community. A lot of the speakers ended up talking about that too, and so you know I yeah. felt inspired by Atlanta Writers when I saw this. I was like, that's yeah. exactly what we were saying we need to do. So I, I, bookstores, libraries, our work's never alone. Yeah. So why should we be? Yes, so thank you for getting this group together. How about you? I'm Michael Neiman, and uh, I'm the author of the Valentin the Merlin Thriller series that's available wherever books are available. <laughs> and there's sort of a little sidekick, which is uh, Ashland, Oregon, that's where I live, PI. And those are available on Apple Books for free, so if you have an Apple device, you can just go and download them there. And that's about it. Very cool. Welcome. Glad to have you. Yeah, yeah, glad to be here. 
Hello, how are you? <laughs> Doing well. <laughs> My name's Kate Rista. Uh, I'm the executive director of Willamette Writers, um, and then I have a couple of different book series out. Uh, the one that's coming out right away is Myth Wakers, and that's about, uh, it's a nonfiction middle grade book about the Minotaur. Um, and then I think you might have heard about this other book that we have going on, like coming out in uh, October. Stop. It's called Shadow and Shimmer. And that's the end of my Shadow Girl series, which yes. I'm so excited about. So um, the climactic third in the trilogy. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Wonderful. Casey? Um, I'm Casey Dunn, and uh, I have a southern gothic thriller called uh, Silence on Cold River that came out in May of 2020. And uh, you know, publishing kind of went through uh, some chaos with COVID and paper shortages and cardboard shortages and the industry itself went through kind of a reckoning. And um, anyway, uh, since then I have a thriller out on submission and then I also have a um, kind of a gothic fantasy genre bendy trilogy coming out uh, wow. with Not A Quiet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited about that one as well. Um, but your, uh, the, the, what was the book on, what's that one called? The, the Silence, on, Silence on, on Cold River is also an excellent, excellent audio book. So. I, I think that's the way to experience it. It's, it's a multi really cool. Yeah. And so you can, like, and uh, the publisher did such a good job because they found a narrator true to that voice for every single person. Wow. And um, it just, they did a phenomenal job. And um, it kind of turned me on to audiobooks, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that one's a really oh. good one. So check that one out. Heather Ransom. I am also here from Grants Pass, live in Grants Pass, and I have a young adult science fiction trilogy out. First one is called Going Green, and that's where I would recommend that you start if you like uh, young adult sci-fi. I love the way that's that trilogy good. builds, too, so that's, yes, folks should check that one out. It, it did, Heather did a great job of starting with this world that's kind of confined, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Actually, Kate does the same thing. Starts off, you know, this, you know, the, the setting is very intimate, and then gets into whole entire universes. So, uh, yeah, uh, check both those trilogies out. Well, thank you all for being here. So, the folks who are watching on YouTube already know and are wondering why we are wearing these wild costumes. But it's a podcast as well. So, for the sake of the folks on who are just listening, we always dress up in costume for the show. Let's tell everybody about what it is we're wearing. So who wants to describe their costume first? Well, first, mine isn't a costume. I came directly here from the farm, milking goats and things, so i glad you think it's a costume. <laughs> I just go to farmers wear every day. Car parts, my boots, my hair is back, got a little bit of smuts here on my elbow. Not a costume. Yes, excellent. I came from the farm too, and you know we're really thinking about trying um, beekeeping. Uh, oh, spring, yeah. but I, I wasn't sure how I was, I was feeling wondering. In, in all of that, you know, and so I figured it's really smoky out. It was claustrophobic. It kind of is, <laughs> and I just felt like I should give this a go. Like, yeah. if I'm going to order the bees, I should make sure I'm comfy in the fashion wow. and, and I'm glad that the helmet doesn't actually, you know, mess with the sound at all. You sound very clear. Well, okay. Yes, the full, the full beekeeper. Nice. And can I add that I actually came from a different kind of farm. I am dressed, uh, you know, I, my skin is entirely green. Um, it's a, a beautiful shade of green. My hair, instead of being blue like it normally is, is actually like a gorgeous auburn. But the rest of me is entirely green. And Heather will explain that later. Yeah, I thought you were <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes. I appreciate that, Kate. I love that. I love it. I love it. 
Sure, I, you know, when I'm not writing, which we're going to talk about most of the time, I actually make furniture, and I just got out of my workshop, and so I'm covered in sawdust, so you can't even see my clothes. <laughs> yes. I'm not as ash from the fire. Yeah, I know, no, no, yes. it's clothes. I was working with dark wood, you know, so. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for cleaning up, Michael. <laughs> well, and I rushed back to this event from the coast, and so I was over on the RV coast, and swimsuit, just still got the swimsuit, the flip-flops, and the towel, so excuse that, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> It was actually beautiful on the coast. That's fantastic. So, um, yes, I, um, I, I, I was really not sure what to wear. And so I knew we were going to be having this in, you know, the, the, the Oregon Port Authority here, which is the Heather's and her husband's restaurant here in Grants Pass. And so I wanted to go with, like, you know, guy at the bar in Grants Pass. And so I've got this flannel and, you know, my, my trucker cap and, you know, just, like, Comfortable guy sitting at the bar in in Grants Pass, uh, which is you know it's a, it's it's you know it's it's a good it's a very comfortable place and uh, this is you know a, a comfortable look for me. Uh, so it doesn't look like I'm wearing a costume, just say I fit in at the bar in Grants Pass. Yeah, perfect. Um, so uh, part of the point of the show, the point of the show is how do we procrastinate? Helping readers get to understand what we do when we're not writing. So what has been something that has been Taking you away from your writing in terms of entertainment in the last in the last uh, you know week too. What 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 is in pop culture? What has been drawing you away from your work? I have three kids. I don't know pop culture. <laughs> 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 I go for some. Uh, my my son is twelve and he uh, got a record player from his grandma. Um, and so the first record that he got, though, is it's a pink one, and it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> so I've actually spent a lot of time with Taylor Swift over the last few weeks. Um, and it's all, like, uh, not exactly radio quality Taylor Swift. It's kind of like, Taylor Swift. Um, but I've also been learning a lot about how I don't know the lyrics to these songs. So um, Is it, like, old-school country Taylor Swift? Or no, it's, like, brand-new Taylor okay. Swift. Like, there's a song called... Karma, and I didn't know it was called Karma. I thought she was singing about Connor. That's a fine thing. I said, like, why, are, why, are, why is he singing about Connor? Like, who's Connor? And she's like, he's like, it's, it's Karma, Mom. <laughs> so wonderful, Mom. We've been driving around with my daughter, and she's 12. And I'm um, like, old school hip hop, or like, rocking out my truck. And she goes, you know, this girl Shawty must be, like, beautiful. <laughs> Because there's so much else I want to do, yeah. and maybe my my 
distractions are my work. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I'm kind of lucky that, oh, I better read now. Yeah. <laughs> Reading is your best way to get better at your craft. <laughs> I have to go read now. And, and, and you've read reading anything that's been, you know, pulling you away from Yeah, I'm reading about five books at a time usually. Yeah. You know, several audios, because I love audiobooks, and um, always something in print. Some, usually something on Kindle, but not, I don't, it's my least favorite. Just the experience is never as real. Yeah. But sometimes like, I'm doing some net alley stuff, so you have to. Uh, but yeah, the one I just finished that I really liked uh, is called The Great Transition, uh, Nick Fuller Guggen's, and it's just out, you know, like, Books has it, uh, just came out, and I was searched, found it when I was looking for comps, and uh, you know, reached out to his that agent and had some good feedback from her, so it was as one of those networking things, so it is work, but it just also feels Right, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, I did some of the live theater stuff, uh, not kinky boots, but I saw Five on Fire at the same place, which was outstanding. And I saw really great two person play, Heisenberg, uh, that was at the, one of the wineries with ah, Tony Heald, who is from the Shakespeare Festival as wow. well. So, Oppenheimer, the movie, yes. did not see Barbie, even though everybody said you should see those both at the same time. I just didn't make really? sense to me. Really? We, did, we did see them both. We did yeah. the Barbie thing, yes, at the same time. Barbie is a total shift. No, I, I stayed with the Oppenheimer thing. And, and then, other than that, reading, I've been uh, rereading a lot of. David Goodis novels from the 1950s, that old mm-hmm. noir stuff, which I think, oh gosh, people used to write really amazing things back then. And that's about it. Yeah, no, that, but that's a lot. What did you think of Oppenheimer? Ah, uh, well, you know, I'm, as a biopic, it was probably a good one. I resented the fact that there was absolutely no mention at all of all, you know, first of all, native populations that are still living with the radiation that he helped put in the air there and uh, of course barely a mention of what happened near Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the weird things of course you know August 6th was Hiroshima day and August 9th was Nagasaki day and you know that movie comes out right around that time and it's kind of like there were 100,000 people dead you know yeah it was was interesting I remember talking with folks, Crystal and I were talking about this, my fiance and I were talking about this as well. If they had devoted a lot more time, it would not have been the same biopic. Yeah, right? you know, right. it, but, is, you it know, is about him. Um, so I yeah, but you're right. You are watching this, you know, kind of decontextualized. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the harm is not included. Uh, so I, although I found it very, very powerful, uh, it is, I understand folks going, you are telling me a fraction of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that, but it, it was very well done. I yeah. you know, found it very moving by the end. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what, uh, in terms of the news, what has been getting your attention that's been going on in the world? I mean, we are in a place where we're hiding from the fires, so that certainly has been affecting all of our lives. But uh, what else has been going on in the news that's been capturing your attention lately? Fusion. Yes. Mm-hmm. This story is interesting. No, so yeah, I, the other news, I'm just like, no, I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do something fusion. 
Yeah, this is interesting. So, yeah, yeah tell everybody about why this is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm excited about this too. So, uh, so for, for folks who don't they're know, they're getting closer. Yes, they're getting yeah. closer. So, uh, the, the process to create fusion. So, fusion is you blow up the, yeah, you know, the, the, the atoms out. Fusion is you use these really incredibly high-powered lasers to combine the the atoms and you produce all this energy. And they for for you know all we've known this was possible. But the downside was it took so much energy to make the lasers work that it didn't produce a gain in energy. So it was not a viable like energy source because yeah, you know, <laughs> you're having to use more energy than you gain. And they got to the point where they did one and it was a slight gain. And now they've done a second one and it is a, a more significant gain. And so we are getting to the place where we will have energy that comes from, you know, yes, we expend it with these lasers. But the nice thing is it's incredibly clean. You are not, you know, the, the, the byproducts are heat and, uh, you know, water. Which heats so, the energy. So. Yeah. So that's... That, that and we live off the power grid. It's where I'm always watching. Yes. You know, make all of our own electricity to solar and micro-hydro. And it's like we, we spend electricity differently. You know, we, yeah. We have gas stains. And sorry, you can't run the air conditioner and, you know, do this, turn the lights off by now because the batteries don't have enough power for tonight. Yeah. So it's just a whole different like power matters so much. Yeah. We're, we're on the grid, we but we are. Granted. Yeah, our solar panels produce more power than we use. So that's, actually, that's better for the planet than what we're doing, which is just wasting it ourselves. Well, but when we make too much power, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I admit it does make me a little bit profligate with my power, where I'm like, yeah, let's put up some more, uh, another spring of lights. We're not, it's all People just the sun's anyway. power anyway. And so, you know, I, I used to be, you know, I was raised by, you know, Protestants, you know, turn the lights off, you know, keep the promise weather. And I'm like, we, we, we make more power than we use. Go ahead, you know, turn on the, the heat and whatever, because, you know, it's, yeah, our, 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 our net power is output rather than uh, input. Anybody else? What uh, what what news story's been jumping out at you? I don't remember his name, but the guy is now indicted for the murder of college students and um, in Idaho, and he has waived his right to a speedy trial, which means now it was supposed to start on October sixth. It's been kicked down the road, huh. and so it's just made me think of the justice system because. Yes, you're innocent until proven guilty, but now you have the victim's families. That there was their right, you know, was their right to a speedy answer. And so I realize it's because the defense is saying we need more time. But do you? You know, so I don't know. Just how much is this? Just you know, stay out of jail free card for an extra two years because you know you're going to lose. This is uh, this is going to become a, a. you know, very salient question in other indictments as well. Yes, How long can we kick this down the road? Uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. The murkiness of the yeah, our system is very much designed by people who knew themselves to be criminals. Uh, uh, you know, in, in in the eyes of the British, and therefore all the protections are for the accused rather than protections for the victims. And you'd think that would then produce a more fair system without like unfair prosecutions, but it hasn't manifested that way in this country at all. Everything's going too far. Yeah. Yeah. Like but that, yeah, that's interesting. I had not heard about that. Mm-hmm. An extension in Idaho. 
Uh, there was a really interesting case I was listening to. There's a, another podcast, not that I'm recommending any podcast listeners to listen to another podcast. Uh, but the folks who produce Serial produced one, uh, a separate one about this case called, uh, it's called The Retrieval. Yes, I heard, heard about this. Outstanding um, product. Yes. Uh, so the hospital that's attached to Yale University um, performed uh, IVF, and so they were doing egg retrievals on these women, and one of the nurses, who was herself a woman, was, was stealing the fentanyl. And so these women were experiencing IVF egg retrievals with no pain. And they were being essentially tortured. And, and they were told, oh, that's you making it up. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it provides all this wonderful insight into the way our system says women's pain doesn't count. Yeah. You know, oh, you're, 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 we don't take your pain seriously. And at the same time, what complicates it is the person who's responsible is a fellow woman who is not, you know, they're saying, how could she, knowing what we would go through. And it turns out later in the story, this is a bit of a spoiler, she experienced IVF herself and when she was younger. And so she knew the torture she was causing. Huh. So who are they going to be angry at? And then the delays in the justice system, you know, oh, was locking it down and saying, we won't talk about this and we did nothing wrong. And, uh, it's all this, this, you know, let's make sure this one nurse faces all the responsibility and not the system that gaslit these women and said, your, your pain is, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was some mild discomfort. They were tortured. So it's, yeah, that's a, a very powerful series. So ask some of those same questions about the way that our system delays justice. Yeah. Anything for you that's been jumping out at you in the news? Tried to avoid the news all summer. Just go to place. <laughs> Yeah. Mostly the news that I'm watching right now has to do with the weather, just yeah. watching what's going on. It was crazy. The I know that Monday night here in Grants Pass, the weather, the air quality was over 400 at the hazardous level. And it's been hazardous since then a couple times, so that we took off and went to the coast for a few days just to get out of it. But it's crazy, too, to think about that schools are starting back up and kids are going to be here and they're trying to deal with sports and you can't go out on recess and, you know, there's just so many different things, thinking about all those types of things. I think that's... And then we've been in a lightning storm. They've been worried because we had lightning storms coming through with very little rain, so they're worried about more fires kicking up. So I think I watched the that much of the news, the weather, and then I just turned it off because that was enough. But it's made me think about the fact that even that metric is something, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't even know what 400 means. Right, in the air quality, you know, yeah. Like now we don't have to learn. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, learning about, in, in the same way, you know, a lot of people had to learn how to analyze statistics during COVID, you know, to understand what these new metrics meant. You know, we're having to learn, oh, what does 400 mean as opposed to 200 for me or my kid who's got asthma or whatever. And this will become normal. It's scary. It is becoming more and more normal in Southern Oregon. I feel like, you know, we've been here in this area for 30 years, and we were trying to pin down, when did this become normal that that fires are coming through in the fall? I'll just interject I was born here 62 years ago, and it was normal then to some degree. Like, the first thing my father did when we came back to the property was put the fire ponds in Mm -hmm. so that we could dip water out of it and put roads around the whole 200 acres so that bulldozers could get in. So I think it's always been up here, but there's so many more homes now and people that it's... 
The air quality part is the part that I don't remember though, because I've taught here in Merritt's Pass, I've taught for 30 years here. It's definitely worse. But uh, yeah, it's, it's that worse. it's that piece in there that I don't remember. I don't remember not being able to let the. I mean, it, it's only been in the last. 10 years maybe that we haven't been able to let kids we weren't able to let yeah. kids go outside on lunch that you had to figure out how to keep 700 kids inside the building no. during the only time that they could get out and get their energy you know yeah but it's slow moving enough that it feels you know exactly well, we incremental these. growth that it's yeah last year we had one this year we had two like it doesn't feel like oh this is a dramatic change okay. Yeah, yeah it definitely is, and we're more aware too of that health aspect of it. Where my generation's like, tough it out, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be a baby, yeah. <laughs> go out and breathe. <laughs> Terrible. So, a couple of you have already mentioned them, but what are some? And I, I'm hesitant to use the word hobby because these are actually, you know, kind of day job things as well. But what are some things that are that you are engaged in that are not your writing that have been taking up a lot of your time? Like? I have a, um, three kids, and one of them is a competitive gymnast, and oh, her wow. schedule runs my life. Oh. Um, yeah, like her her fall schedule, she's eight, and her fall schedule oh, will be so 4 to 8.30, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and uh, they just lay yeah. out the competitive schedule, and it's fantastic. We do to Disney, and, um, but it, I mean, it's, it is something. It's a huge commitment. I, th- I think a lot That's of folks don't huge. realize that it, it is a huge commitment for the family. It well. is. It's not just the athlete. It's no. involved. And her brother and sister are super supportive, and um, they're really kind to each other. Yeah, our living room is a mini gym. There's a balance beam. There's a kit bar. There's mats. I'm having to learn all this stuff about gymnastics. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's that has been nice. good for you. Though. Does she it's have fun. a coach locally? So yes, she she practices locally. She's a really they do a fantastic job. Um, and she was ranked in the state last year. She mm-hmm. won bars in Reno last year. Wow. I mean, she's she's kind of done her thing. Yeah. So it's been really she fun. loves it. Oh, she does. She loves and that's it. Really she's so and cute. it's not you know oh I loved this at one point and now it feels obligatory. And she's loving it in the moment. So it's been cool for her to see Simone Biles come back, which is another yes. thing we watched her oh, last yeah. night, and she'll be on again tonight. And then when she won the Hydroport Classic or whatever, you know, to get to see that, it's yeah. been really inspiring. Yeah, that's she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. What else have folks been keeping themselves occupied with? I'm working on a project that is non-fiction, working on... Um, Creating a curriculum for with Providence for a new Ken Burns documentary, Hiding in Plain Sight. Anyone who hasn't watched it, Hiding in Plain Sight, Teen Mental Illness, amazing documentary. But I have found that working on creating that curriculum, working on nonfiction, the fiction side of my brain is not kicking back in. I'm having a hard time oh, really? jumping back and forth between the two. That's interesting. So how, how does that you know you get it? How does that affect your fiction as you are? Well, it affects my fiction and that I haven't written much. It's <laughs> it is. Um, and it's not that I'm not writing, but the I think about my stories and I go back and read where I'm at in my fiction writing and it just it doesn't flow the same way. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. We are moving the curriculum has been written now, so now we're moving into working with the designers of everything, which is a really cool part. And I think that has kind of Casey and I just started talking about writing and I think seeing the designing part and that creative part is starting to wake that back up. Yeah. I'm starting to wake up my fiction design side. again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, hoping to get back into some 
writing, writing. It's been an incredible experience, and I'm loving what I'm doing. But I miss, I miss the fiction writing. Yeah, that's that is interesting. So you've got a lot of other stuff going on in terms of the, the you know, the, the farm. Yeah, I have three properties to take care of. You know, the two parents, different parents in our farm, and we're probably going to have to be selling our farm next year. It's been in my family since the 40s, and it's been breaking my heart. Yeah. <laughs> but we can't keep writing it. We're getting too old to do, do it well. We don't want to be the old grandma and grandpa, you know, that everything's falling apart because you can't take care of it. So what's the farm produce? Uh, I, we were commercial cheesemakers yeah. for a number of years, and not goats. And so now we just have all old goats there, I say. Yeah. That's included. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's great, though. Yeah, and so it's a super tough decision, but we want to be able to move on. And if our kid doesn't want it, and that's the they thing. don't, they don't, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was it, it wasn't ours to begin with, you know? So, shouldn't we necessarily have ownership on it anyway? Do you find, I, I've heard that there are concerns that there are not enough people interested in going into farming. Are you, 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 you know? It's so, it's totally true. Oregon and Southern Oregon in particular, though, are kind of exceptional. There are a lot of small to mid-sized farms here, and Big Ag is not here, really, unless you look at hemp and cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> and I would argue that that's agriculture. It's not food. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's a, you can argue that about wine, too, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. So, um, yeah, so it's it's very very true. Nobody wants to work that hard for that little, and um, you know that segues into all sorts of issues with migrant stuff and labor and quality of life. And but I was trying to encourage people to you pay more. You pay for your food, probably the better care of the land and the people and the animals. Mm-hmm. Might mean you can't buy as much of stuff. But um, it really has to come from the consumer side to support the ag. Well, yeah, not become done well. Kind of inured to incredibly low prices. And we just oh, say, yeah. Hey, if you no see the other end of how that low price happens, the um, abuse to the land, animals, and workers. Yeah. I just I was talking to somebody that is a multi generational farmer, and he was saying that you know to get the same nutritional value in an apple from 40 or 50 years ago, you have to eat five. Because wow. it's been so watered down. Yeah. And yeah, you know, plants are full of nutrients from the soil and from the air. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, um, our, our, the way we perceive the agricultural sector, I think, yeah. needs to change. I mean, these well, I don't, we can say it needs to change, but it's always been that way as far as farmers have never been seen as yeah. a lead or you know, aspirational job. So, yeah. We grew up on a, I grew up on a farm in Illinois. We moved out here at uh, time, like 15 years ago, maybe. Um, and it was a it was a dairy farm primarily, and then like, a lot of corn and a lot of soy. And like, for the most part, you weren't growing food. Like, there was one time in the year, like right when we had sweet corn season, where like we would eat a bunch of sweet corn, but everything else like wasn't yeah, the actually corn and soy was for silage with yeah. cows, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so there was or fuel or sugar. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it was just for the cows because yeah. you have to put silage away for the winter, or yeah. the cows will starve, mm-hmm. or haylage, or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. How many cows did you guys know? I don't even remember because it was that big. You know, it was at the point where it was machines, and we had like the we had the back eighty acres, and there was um, acres everywhere. And I remember like really specifically growing up, and it was a bicentennial farm, and um, wow. but it was like within our family, but then. 
right next door, like all along, you could drive along the road and see where they were sort of the, do the genetically modified crops. Um, and you could tell because you go from like our corn to like the GM corn, like, yeah. you know, and they were testing different, um, different varieties, different strains and stuff. And so you would see theirs like shoot up like way far above what, you know, what was happening. But you also had, you know, like the more industrial farms that could handle irrigation and handle like, um, yeah, growing corn at the level that we weren't growing at. Um, so it is like as a yeah, as a small family farmer or like trying to run your own farm, it's a different world now. Well, and and like, keeping the young people wanting to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who wants to work that hard? Mm-hmm. I was in Greece, not this last time, but the time before, and our tour guide was telling us they're having a real issue with <clears throat> olive uh, uh, orchards are these you know, very, very, uh, how to describe it, but it takes a long time to develop an olive orchard to the point where it is, you know, profitable. Uh, you've really got to invest in, you know, commit to it. And what they're they're seeing this challenge of folks who are saying it is more profitable in the short term to cut down the olive grove and replace it with solar panels. The energy that you can get and you know and charge is an immediate cash cash crop of wattage. It always so, comes to money. Yeah, know, and, and so and throwing off the market. Um, and then, you know, what will happen is if they depress the market enough by doing that enough, then the price of olives will go up, make them profitable, but they can't immediately produce olives. You can't right. just say, oh, the price of olives have gone up, grow an olive orchard. Well, you can't make that spring up in a day like you can with uh, and you know, most, solar panels. crops like that. Green, green crops in particular. Yeah, yeah. grapes even. So you know, our, our, our capitalist market moves much faster than the actual speed of the agricultural market. It'll be interesting to see how we adjust to that. Yeah. <laughs> Do we adjust? I mean, That's we why we're all going to be writing horror. What does or YA that's about GMOs? Like, uh, you know, yeah. Heather's series yeah. is very much about. Genetic modification Speaks to get young people tell us why yeah. your skin, why uh, Kate's skin is green right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. why is my skin green? She's, she dresses one of the characters from my book. I yeah. feel so, it's almost like we're back at Comic Con. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah, in that series. And in the, in the series, the the idea behind it is that the plants on the planet have started to die off due to a virus. This was all pre COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but we started to lose plants, and so. There was a group of people that started working on modifying chloroplasts to go to people, which we really are doing. I think we 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 really do. Um, those it's all based in real science. Yeah, it's great. And the idea that um, in the future that everything is based on the color of your skin because you've either chosen to go green and you you turn green over time, or you're not green. So there's the contributing um, people in the community, and there's the supporting. Community, you're at one level or the other. It's very easy to know the suit, and it makes it simple. And if you know your place in society, then everyone's happy, right? Because that's how it works. So you can imagine. There's you can do, and there are a lot of metaphors to explore there. But you know, the the science angle, I think, is an in for folks who are going. uh, You know, this is a. a, There's some really challenging, high-level concepts to deal with in in a classroom, Mm -hmm. uh, and yet. You, know, you could read this book. A science teacher can say in their seventh grade class, let's read this. And they're doing great cross curricular work where they're working with literature in a science class, but you also could deal with some 
and the sociological issues in that class, which would be cool. Yes, for any teachers that are listening or watching, yes. Uh, yes. there is a full curriculum that is free for oh. the first oh, book, wow. and there are school districts all over that That's are cool. using it um, from um, middle schools, you know, seventh grade language arts class to there's, wow. um, there are high schools that are using it even at senior level to wow. talk about some of the issues looking forward into a dystopian so world. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So. so yeah, that's uh, uh, highly highly recommend. <laughs> um, so what about announcements? What's going on with uh, everyone's writing lives that they want to make sure folks know about? I know Kate's got some yeah. two books coming out this fall. <laughs> two. <laughs> it's gonna be good, um, and it's uh, you know it's something I've actually been talking to a lot of authors about. Like, is you know especially if you're if you're publishing small press, if you're publishing, um, and it's like part of your career in your life. The Myth Wakers one specifically was supported by a grant from the Regional Arts and Arts and Culture Council, so it made it like possible to just write the book and not have to worry about like how's this book gonna sell, like or and it supports you like as like as your career goes on, like. Um, so that one, uh, yeah, so that one, it, it also launches a Kickstarter, and so it's ready to go out in the world. Uh, the event that's coming up in two weeks is Back to School Night, Nerds. <laughs> and my son said, you can't call people nerds, and I said, watch me. Uh, <laughs> some of us like it. I know. <laughs> my license plate is literally a nerdy G. I'm not sure I should make that known to the world. <laughs> Like, yeah. awesome. If it's aimed when you go out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is me. That's my car. Nerdy Kitty as I'm driving down the road. So, yes. Yeah. So, where's that going to be? So, it's in Metzger, um, which is just a, uh, outside of Tigard, and um, where I live, which is outside of Portland, which is in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, we're Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then when Shadow and Shimmer comes out in, uh, in October, like, we'll have a bunch of events around that, and that, like, that genuinely feels really, really good to have that book coming out um, because it started so many years ago, and I had like this idea of what it was going to be, and mm-hmm. like um, at being a much more mature writer now, like and having read so much between now and then, like um, I love kind of how everything wrapped up and all. Do you feel like I, I sometimes feel like I wish because we're getting better, right? We're always getting better, and so like, I want to say to folks, okay. The, the first book, I'm unsatisfied with the first book, but it's like, please get to the second book, please get to the third book, they're better. Like, <laughs> I am improving as an author, and yeah. uh, you know, I'm like, I hope nobody's put off by the fact that it's a series and doesn't read this, you know, third book, because we improve over time, you know, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, that, that one works really well in pulling people in. I, you should also tell folks about the way that Hennessy becomes a more focal character because of reader in Oh yeah, so the first book, um, like everyone read it and they're like, oh this is yeah, it's a great book, but uh, I, I, I don't really like Anya, the main character, as much as I like Hennessy. Like, <laughs> can you give us more of Hennessy story? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking about it. But um, And honestly, in the original, very first draft, Hennessy wasn't even there. So I have like, uh, as an author, like just changed so much in like from the first drafts until this final. Um, but Hennessy, then in the second one, the, the perspective splits. So you have two POVs and you get to follow Hennessy or follow Anya. Um, and 
Yeah, it's and, great. Like yes. Hennessy was the story I wanted to tell, like, and it's very much in my voice, and it's very like, you know, it's kind of like if you had somebody who was uh, like um, somebody really modern ending ending up in fairy hell, right? And like they don't, they have no idea what they're doing. And um, so M. K. Martin uh, was uh, the editor for the third book, right? And her and I had some of the most fun conversations because she is coming from um, like knowing a lot about like the inner workings of battle and war and like actually how it really works and I was like but this character is not yeah <laughs> so this character is like ending up in a battle and she's like so having her get more powerful more like comfortable in her skin and everything was really yeah, well, I'm so glad that, that uh, Molly and, and Kate Martin, who's the author of uh, Survivor's Club and Ashfall, um, got to work with you on that one because she's like the inverse of Hennessy in some ways. She is an American expat living in Ireland, and Hennessy is this Irish young woman who then is in, going into the world of the Fae, and, you know, like you said, uh, you know, Molly herself you know, was a soldier, and you know, and so knows that, you know, knows real combat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hennessy is this young woman who's going, what is going on around me? Things are bursting into flames, you know. Stop so, eating that. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's something. <laughs> so anybody else have anything that's coming out anytime soon? Or uh, you've got a book on sub, and you've got one on sub right now, and you've got the, the, uh, the the curriculum is coming out. It's piloting this fall, and we'll start taking it out nationwide March of next year. Yeah. So that'll that's be fun. Good to do a lot of traveling and talking to people. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, okay, so I do want to ask everybody. Uh, we'll go to our little ad break here. When we come back from our ad break, I'll ask you what you've been daydreaming about. This week's Writers Not Writing is brought to you by November Reconsidered by Mark Jansen. November Reconsidered is, what else? A book. A poetic journey through the month at the leading edge of winter. Part autobiography, part exploration, and about a hundred other things. Find November Reconsidered via Amazon or wherever books are ordered. Read November Reconsidered. It will change your life. Hopefully for the better. And if you'll permit me a little log rolling, the sequel to my novel, Don't Read This Book, comes out on October 17th. The second in the Convention of Fiends series is titled You Were Warned. Book two will hit bookstore shelves on October 17th from Nautipide Publishing. It tells the story of the return of Magdalena Wallace. The world's greatest writer survived the novel designed to kill readers, and now she needs to save humanity and all the monsters, too. In addition to her delightful non-binary golem friend, the compulsively foul-mouthed king of trolls, and the fan-favorite lesbian vampire, this adventure has baby werewolves. Maybe a dragon? Certainly a lot of social commentary and existential dread, a moderate amount of dismemberments and exsanguinations, and jokes. I love these kind blurbs from writers I respect so much. Be warned, this book is packed with monsters, comedy, action, romance, and adorable werewolf pups. Writes Karen Eisenbray, author of Ego and Endurance, the daughter of Magic Series, and the Saint Rage duology. It's action-packed, filled with fantastic creatures, hilarious and sharp. We meet so many characters and return to an awesome one who is at the intersection of identities and honestly an inspiration. Writes Zaji Cox, author of Plums for Months, Memories of a Wonder-Filled Neurodivergent Childhood, and 
Benjamin Gorman is at least three goblins in a trench coat. There is no other logical explanation, writes Maren Anderson, author of Sparks, who is at least three winged unicorns in an off-the-shoulder A-line dress. There'll be a joint launch party for You Were Warned and Kate Ristow's Shadow and Shimmer, the third in her Shadow Girl saga, at Rose City Book Pub on Saturday, October 28th from 3 to 5. Uh, that's at 1329 Northeast Fremont Street in Portland. Costumes are encouraged, so dress up as your favorite monster or mythical creature, or just dress as a human ready to teleport into the universe of a great book. The whole family is welcome, and the book pub offers wonderful food and beverages. There will be games, prizes, and an opportunity to get your copies of your book signed. I would love to see you there in person on October 28th. Welcome back, everybody. So, what has everybody been daydreaming about? Running away. <laughs> You've had a lot of stress. <laughs> when you think about where you would like to get off to, do you think about places? Uh, sometimes, yeah, we have some friends who have a house on Orcas Island in the San Juans, and uh, uh, my husband used to race offshore sailboats, which is one thing when you meet him, you, and you learn that, you think you never would have guessed that. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, so it's a fun little secret, but uh, they have a boat up there, so he's been able to go up, and I haven't been able to leave. So we're trying to figure out a way to go together up yeah. there because we actually like each other and we mm -hmm. like the couple very much. Yeah. And uh, so we're trying to do that. But we both with us, we just love to live in an RV, a small, you know, energy efficient one, and with the, with the critters and just because there's so many wonderful things to go look at and research and little hidden gems of our own his, history, you know, yeah. our first peoples in particular and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. It'd be fun. Yeah. So we just, well, on the way here, we stopped to look at another RV. We, we're not getting one anytime soon, and we have a travel trailer, but uh, it's just fun window shopping. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the comedian Michael E. Black uh, has a great podcast, and he talks about how once you start looking at RVs, it becomes your thing. Like, it is. Yeah, we have a few to the bathroom. Jim Clark, consignment. And they're one of those places where no vulture or salespeople swoop down and attack you with their talons and tell me your name. Yes. You know? and I tell and so, and they start going all manic on you. Yeah. So they just let you in and lock everything and you just go look and sit there and pretend you're having something. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it, it, it'll happen now. Yes. And, you know, I, my thing about RVs are they're kind of like boats, and that the two happiest days of your RV life are the day you purchase one and the day you sell one. Oh, no, no, yes. we, uh, we lived in our travel trailer. We lived in one for like four years while we built our house, our barn, and I love little spaces. Yeah, my because I really I love everything. everything. We're boring. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, but the RV no, you got land like for my folks. They got an RV and it was. Where are we going to park this thing in the city? Where are we going to, you know, pay a rental fee? Uh, you know, maintenance, you know, oh, now it's got mildew, now it's got whatever, you know. Yeah, it just no, got to the point where it was like, this thing is a lot of work, yeah. you know. Uh, Michael, how about you? What's, uh, what have you been daydreaming about? Oh, daydreaming about not writing crime fiction, one thing. And I can't quite figure out how not to do that. <laughs> so that's one thing. Daydreaming about getting a table saw, for, because one of the things that I do when I'm not writing is I'm trying to make furniture, but I don't have a space to put it. So lots of things that I think that would be fun, but I don't see actually materializing. 
I wouldn't know where to put it. See, I work in my garage, and I have to be able to put it away and put the car back in. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. My garage is actually still for parking the car. So it's, what is wrong with you? I know. I know. Yeah. What would so, you write if you switch? I don't know. I just recently been... I just actually the most recent issue of the New Yorker had a short story by Stuart Dybeck. And I remember reading his classic story, Pet Milk. And I went back to read that and I said, wow, that would be just something completely different. From so you don't want to do like a genre bend mystery and you want to totally go away. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to involve a mystery. You know, why? I mean, although I do believe that crime fiction is actually sort of the social realism of the current age, definitely. Yes. Uh, but I'm I'm dissatisfied with having to wrap things up in the end. Mm-hmm. You can't, in effect, have a crime thriller where at least something happens to the bad person. Right? There has to be this retribution of some sort, you know, or some some solution, and. Having a story that just doesn't the, the Raymond Carver crime fiction where it just kind of, and that's what happened and then yeah maybe there was a trial later and maybe somebody maybe got not maybe not but that's not in this book people were sad people were sad no I I just did like a, a story about people that doesn't involve somebody getting killed you should do yeah. That. <laughs> so everyone survives. Yeah, everyone survives. I don't know. I, I just really I love that story. That because it's such a wonderful story. I saw it. It's really wonderful. I'll find it and uh, post a link in the show notes so yeah. folks can check that out oh. too. Something you would have been daydreaming about lately. You said lasers, and all I've been thinking about is lasers. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have nothing besides lasers. Um, except we were talking about the RV thing, and um, <laughs> because I need to tell you this. Um, so one of our friends is, uh, like, their kids are very competitive softball players, and so they actually bought an RV because the hotel fees, like, yeah. doing travel with the kids became yeah. so much yeah. that they're like, yeah, yeah. we'll just get an yeah. RV. So they bought an RV so that they can drive the kids around. Does it work? They're getting happy. They're yeah. like, because you, instead of just throwing all that money in their hotels, like, and then they have a place to go back to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the parents always settle somewhere. And, like, yeah. You know where your stuff is. You just need that enough to be in your brain that you're like, why am I looking at RVs all the time? Actually, you know, we ended up getting a really lovely tent. It's a big tent. It has a vestibule where you can sit. We got a little propane heater. We can sit there in October, sit in there, play cards, and not shiver. So you don't have to have an RV. Tent works just fine. It costs like thousands less. <laughs> yes, yes. There is a glut right now because most of the manufacturers overproduce because of COVID. Oh, There's a huge shortage. Yes. Okay. So, oh. Okay. I feel like myself are listening to all of them. Yes, yes, no, I'm sure, absolutely. What is it? Oh, yeah, sure yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, wait till I post it. And then YouTube knows, and all the podcasts no, no. apps know. Yes. Casey's in the market for an RV. You heard it here first. RV, RV, RV. <laughs> <laughs> we're cow trailer because we might have tracks, so. Yeah, I have So before you started daydreaming about RVs, what were you doing? <laughs> so I'm daydreaming about two things, and they're very different. Um, one is a writer's retreat. 
you know, I think because I've been on kind of full-time parent mode all summer, I really have put drafting away because the, the what I'm working on right now takes kind of a dissension into the basement of mental health of in these, oh. inside the mind of these characters, and that's really hard to yeah. steep myself in that tea and then like, bum, 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 you know. <laughs> so um, I've just been like piling notes and sketching stuff, but not really getting to the voice. Um, and so once they go back to school, I'll do that. But I would love a writer's retreat, like somewhere like where my phone doesn't work and I can just like sit and really rot with this yeah. character, um, which sometimes takes being undisturbed and disturbed at the same time. Um, and then the other thing I'm daydreaming about is I really want to be on jury duty. <laughs> I, really do. I have never. I haven't asked. Asked. Me I'm just one time and I can do it. Because, yeah. Yeah. I'm doing this out in the world as well. I'm willing to serve on jury duty. Like, yeah. yeah the I think longer it would be, the better. Yes. So. Um, I think it's fascinating. <laughs> it's my you know, obligation as a citizen. I should be on jury yeah. duty. I think, you know, realistically, an attorney would like ask me three questions about my politics. Way too liberal for you know. We don't want to go this way. But, like I would be really curious to learn. I, I do. I want to see how it works, and you know, because my whole, particularly for your yeah, class, learn. Yeah, so you can Google all you want, but until you're like really yeah. in it, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, and it's the navigating that decision making process with the other jurors. You know, right. you, you don't get to just go. We, we all agree this guy is terrible. You know, like, no, how do, how, what's the dynamic in that room? There's a really funny show, I think it's called The Juror. You, it's called it? Jury Duty because I Jury just watched Duty. it. <laughs> yeah, Jury Duty. So it's, you haven't seen it. It's, it's like brain candy. But so there's, it's a reality show. We are both, yeah. But it's, um, this, there's one guy, and it's for a, a trial. I mean, he's on jury duty, he's picked for it. Um, everyone else is a paid actor but him, and he doesn't know it. And so all these crazy things are happening, and he thinks this is really happening. And one is James Marsden, I think, is in Yeah, and acting as himself. And so he gets paparazzi to come. It's a, You have to watch it. Yeah, it sounds good. It's so What's funny. going on? Uh, What's the streaming on? Yeah. Um, it's on some service, right? Shmamazon. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to edit this part out. Oh, okay. Shmamazon? I don't want to say that. We don't say that. Yeah, it's on If YouTube goes, if Google decides we don't want to advertise for anything that's on Amazon, then uh, yeah, they, they, no. they might uh, uh, throttle it. Yeah, they yeah, might just make it so that you know, well, to have to edit this okay. part. But Did you see? Of, Sorry. <laughs> in terms of your writers, I'm intrigued. They have very expensive paid ones, but they also have ones that are actually relatively cheap. Yeah, I, there's I went, a residency. There's okay. residencies. I went there for like, it like two weeks in 2018. What's it called? Summer Lake? Playa Summer Lake. It was just amazing. You I get your own little cottage, you get to write, you get to do whatever you need to do, and you don't have to deal with anybody else mm-hmm. if you don't want to. I don't want to. Well, <laughs> it turns out that the, the guys, that, the other folks that were there were just lovely. We spent a lot of time together. Yeah, <laughs> but I, we still I, got a lot of time. Yeah. So you wanted to... one of the actors from Parks and Rec was originally like cast on the show, mm-hmm. and the one guy who wasn't an actor made a comment on like the first or the second day, talking about how he was such a big fan of the show. 
And so they had to scramble and pull the actor out. That's funny. And then, like, recast him with somebody else because they're like, we should. Yeah, they And it was one of those, like, split second had he not made just an offhand comment. The whole thing would have been done in, like, two days. Well, what I heard was that the, uh, the, the, you know, normal civilian guy is just delightful. And he's so nice. There's a there's one character on there that is just oh, he's just draining. He's time consuming mm-hmm. and he is so kind and supportive. Mm-hmm. You know, and just you can just tell and there's times he's like Yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you can just see him processing and, and it was great afterwards when they talked to him about it and and, you know, and he's like, well, you know, I really want him to, you know, I want him to feel good. And I want him to feel okay. Sometimes we just have to support each other. And it's all those wonderful things. He has to have the most proud parents in the world. Yes, yeah. yes. Like a parent he's just a young man who is just there to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, and being wonderful to the people around him. It's just such a feel-good world. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So how about you? So you, oh, I'm already asking you. You've got the curriculum coming out. Yeah. Daydreaming, though. I'm just dreaming about traveling. I'm, yeah. This was the first summer as I retired in June, and then I worked harder this summer than I've worked in the past 15 years during the summer. Summer is usually our travel time when yeah. we go do things. And um, we didn't travel much this summer. So I'm looking forward to I've been daydreaming a lot about any time on my phone. I think my phone knows that I'm – because all these ads keep popping up about, like, Costa Rica, Jamaica, mm-hmm. Scotland. I'm like, I don't care where. I said, sure, just travel. Yeah. yeah, so you don't have a particular, like, this is where? No, I would go anywhere. I see, I'm very biased by climate. Where I'm like, I do not like warm, humid, you know. It's My favorite like, is Iceland sounds great, like you know. I'm going this next year to um, Cambodia, Thailand, Vietnam. Warm and humid. They're like bucket list. Like I wear them. I, I really, but you know, those would not be the places that I would normally go. That's going to be my first choice. But my dad was like, "We should go." Okay. Love it. Okay. I've so heard that Hanoi Bay is, is a must see. Yeah. See, I've not heard that, so that's okay. I'm looking forward to that. Every every time I mention it, somebody says, "Oh, Bangkok is the greatest." Oh, Bangkok. Well, I was thinking Hanoi Bay. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll check that out. So I'm very excited about that. But, yeah. So anywhere. Yeah, I, yeah, just traveling. Do you want to go to Scotland? Our son went to the University of Edinburgh for a while, and my one regret is we didn't go over when he was there. The restaurant had just opened; it was so new, we couldn't get away. So he's almost done with his masters. When he's done with his masters, I think we're going to go back with him. You've never been. I've never been. Oh my gosh! Well, you went to school there, right? So I went to school in Ireland. Oh yeah. But in Scotland, next year is World Fantasy, the big convention. Oh, so we're all in Scotland. You can write it all. It's in Edinburgh. Edinburgh is a wonderful Wait, no, it's in Glasgow. Both. I mean, I yeah, very different cool feels. Go to both Edinburgh and Glasgow because the feel is different enough in the two cities that it's it's cool to see how they, you know. I've been looking. There's a great trip that I really want to do where you fly into Edinburgh and then you take the train and you go up around to. Aberdeen, 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 and then Ireland, and then to Glasgow. I mean, but then you're, yeah. you're traveling around. Yeah. Is that the really cool luxury train? Like, it looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a dayd
Yeah. Yeah. Some of yeah. our friends are doing the skeleton dinners. They, they have actually like done the thing of renting out the castle and like oh, yeah. stay in there. Yeah. See, that's when the writers retreat. The castle. Yeah. Yeah. Writers retreat sounds like a dream to me. I'm in. Mm-hmm. And you get that organized. <laughs> Well, thank you all. I need to thank some folks before we get to our, our, our uh, final bit here. Um, thanks to the artist Max Oakland, who reached out and provided one of the songs for our intro song, I Prefer the Dusk. Let Max know you like it by following him on Twitter at Max Oakland with three Ds. Uh, and thanks to Halisma CCO for their song, Kids, for the ad break. If you're a band and you'd like your song used on the show, I would love to highlight listeners' work like Max's song, so email that to me. Thanks to Doug, the producer, for making this show sound good and taking the blame when it doesn't. Uh, and I cannot forget to mention, Writers Not Writing is a production of Notify Publishing. So please go to the notifypublishing.com and check out the amazing books written by writers who didn't procrastinate too much. <laughs> if you like this show, rate and review it wherever you found it. Uh, check out all these folks' amazing works uh, and give them that fifth star and write a nice review. Make their day. It's you know, worth your time. Um, and if you could, you know, write a little review and, and click the thumbs up button an odd number of times for this show as well, I would appreciate it. Yes, yes. <laughs> don't don't click it and unclick. That doesn't help. Oh. Click it. I didn't think about So, what's some advice we want to give to readers, going or um, the viewers and, and listeners? for this next week? What's a piece of advice you'd like people to just kind of have in the back of their mind going into the next week? Lasers. <laughs> Fusion. Yes. Fusion. Try not to be right. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Pick up something that looks interesting that you might have passed. That's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm on a spot now, huh? I would say, ditoing everybody. You haven't gone yet. I'll I would say, because um, ADHD brain here, but I am realizing how much of the world, I realize this is long, um, makes us practice distractions and said practice focus. So whatever it is that you're doing, be present and do it on purpose. I would say, remember the library has audiobooks through the Libby app. Yes. So your taxpayer dollars are already supporting the library. So you can get free audiobooks that way. Yes. So for yes. folks who don't have the money for Audible and stuff, yeah. just, and sometimes yeah. I'll, you know, I'll meet folks at, at events and they think libraries are somehow antithetical to us as writers. No, no. libraries are our friends. What? We no. like what? libraries. So support your local library. Yes. Which uh, you also should get a copy of Shadow and Shimmer. Kids do book because the special thanks is a beautiful essay thanking libraries and librarians. So read through the entire text, you will love it, and then read the wonderful special thanks. And nice. It's very, very, um, I'll leave that as my advice. Read the special thanks in Shadow and Shimmer. <laughs> and thanks to librarians. We really do love the work that you do defending democracy, defending uh, our, our, you know, our, our our minds, uh, and uh, so thanks to librarians everywhere. And then the last thing I always leave everyone with is, remember, no matter how much you procrastinate, we're still proud of you.